Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 20. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, good name, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. You know, wherever you are, Jesus will find you. Some are here today, some for the first time, and you've got questions of faith, and you are wondering, the world has gone mad, and you found yourself in a church on a Sunday morning, and you feel stirred in your heart. Can I just say, Jesus is finding you right where you are. No matter what you do for a living, no matter what age you are, He will find you. And he found these guys fishing. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And I just think that's remarkable. Um, They all initially, by the way, in another gospel, it says they followed him to where he was staying. They were curious. I'm like, okay, you are human after all. (laughs) Where are you staying? Can we come have a look? And so they followed him to the house. And there's, there's other side stories that I just think the gospels are fascinating. I love the phrase, it was the making of them. It was the making of them. I love seeing people at a juncture of decision where um, an opportunity opens for them or a decision is to be made and the fruit doesn't necessarily follow immediately. But ultimately we end up saying that was the making of them. I think of our year 12 students and they've just finished their HSC. Can we give them a big hand? And to the parents as well. And I watch them as they find themselves in their university course or their apprenticeship or their clerkship, their role or whatever it is. And I I love it. I love that first 18 months out of school. It's one of my favourite windows to watch in a person's life as they sense, who am I for the first time sometimes? You know, I've done school and that was a foregone conclusion. Universal public education in Australia has made sure of that. Um, But now I get to find out who I am, who I really am. And they go, many of them, and they start a university course only to go, this is not a good fit for me. And usually, and I've had this so many years in a row, it's almost predictable. They call me about middle of March, early April. Pastor Christy, I'm not really sure if I'm in the right course. And for some of them, I'm like, just hold on, like it's past the census date now. Don't, don't rack up a bill, right? And, and they hang on, some of them. Or for others, I'm like, drop it now. It's not you, it never really was. And I've seen them change courses or pursue another opportunity that God highlights. And I go and look back and I go, that was the making of you. I watch new dads holding their babies and I look as a man who is a great husband, a great uh, friend to his friends, a great son to his parents, looks at that little baby and go, that moment in time where you discovered that in the losing of your life, the laying down of your life for your wife and your child, because that's what good men do. They lay down their own preferences to serve their families, to lead their families. Um, And I go, that moment was the making of you. 
I watch people as they're called, like Con and Stacey, to the, our Perth campus. And I go, that is a really exciting, but really dramatically uncomfortable prospect to pick up, to leave all that is familiar in order to follow a word from God, to establish a beachhead in an unknown city. They've never lived there before. They've always lived in Sydney. Their family's here. And I go, yet I believe this will be the making of you. I've watched others leave friendship groups that are toxic and live on some small level with the discomfort of saying, that might have been good then, but this is not good for my soul now. And they live in the in-between discomfort. And yet I go, that decision, that singular decision was the making of you. One good decision. This interaction between these two disciples and Jesus is an amazing one because tightly packed in this concise, for it was written by a man, um, and women can write concisely as well, (laughs) but Lest you're like, you're so sexist. Uh, I'm not. Some women are economical with words and some men are quite florid. So I guess it's, but they, they, these guys were fishermen, I guess. And so it's very concise. As these are, I'm digging hard. I'm digging, digging. There's a poem about that. Seamus Heaney's poem, Digging. I love it. Anyway, I'm going to stop, right? Stop, stop, stop. Everything connects, right? In these just... Two verses. Come back to me, people. Focus. (laughs) In these two verses, um, there is an extraordinary statement about God's kingdom program for every disciple. In just two verses, you can sum up the call of a disciple. First, there is a follow me. Follow me. And embedded in just those two words, is an assumption that you lay down your agenda for your life. You lay down how you thought it would work out and where you thought you would work it out and who you thought you would work it out with. And you follow Him. And it doesn't change from there. Um, Whether you are in your 70s here in the room and 80s or whether you are starting out and you are coming to an age where you are beginning to really deeply understand the things of faith, it doesn't change that we follow Jesus. We lay down our agenda. We lay down how we think. And we're not actually called in the following to a something. Of course, there's an outworking. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, due to his will, to God's will. But do you know what? Ultimately, Paul was called to follow. On the Damascus road, when he encounters Jesus Christ and Jesus says to him, Paul, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? Why are you persecuting me? Not just people. He actually is called to Jesus. And the sum total of Paul's life, yes, outworked as an apostle. Yes, outworked as penning everything that we read today. But at the end of the day, he was called to exactly what you and I were called to. And that is to follow. Follow. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But it moves on from follow because connected to follow is you will be made. Following will be the making of you. Following Jesus Christ will be the making of you. And yet so many of us at times think when we sign up for a follow, that's it. Lifetime membership, names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, done and dusted. Dishes done, baby. Done. And yet God calls us to a making. 
follow me and I will make you. And implied in that is there is a transformation process that happens for every true believer, every true follower of Jesus Christ. It is a lifetime of being made. You will be made by Jesus. And it requires a deep surrender because you don't get to control what you're made into because He is the potter and you are the clay. Your heart is taken from a heart of stone and made to a heart of flesh. And I could go on and on and on, your life being a letter written by Him. He's the Creator. And C.S. Lewis made some comments about this that unless, you're, you're not the playwright, He is the playwright. How can a character in the play ever conceive to understand the whole plan of the playwright except that he writes himself into the play with Jesus? How could a young Einstein at two years old even have the mental faculties to understand that one day I'm going to shape the theory of relativity? One day I'm going to have amazing breakthroughs. He didn't even have the cognition. He didn't even have the equipment to imagine what he was being made into. You don't know where the master that you are following is leading you and what he is making of you or me or us as a body of Christ. We have an inkling. We have, it says, nobody understands, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has planned for those that love Him except that the Spirit reveals. But He reveals in part. We never fully understand. And that's crazy making for a control freak like me. How about you? (laughs) It requires deep surrender. It becomes a place of surrender. And then obviously we are sent because we are made for a purpose. And some of us don't like the sending because there's grief with the sending. There's discomfort with the sending. What do you mean I've got to be a fisher of men? What do you mean I go to my job every day and that is my spiritual vocation that I'm being made to influence. I'm being made to share His love to others. What do you mean that as a disciple... I'm being made for a purpose. I thought I was just developing my law career. I thought I was just being a teacher. I didn't sign up to be a fisher of men, a teacher of people, a lawyer that goes for souls. You know, it's amazing that one of the Supreme Court judges in America, and I won't go into the details, she made this incredible statement that you know, she knew she wasn't just signing up for a law career. She was signing up to build the kingdom through her spiritual vocation of law. And it's the same call for every disciple of Jesus Christ that we follow, you are made. It is the making of you, the transformation from the inside out. The discipleship process is from the day you're born to the day you die, the day that you are born again to the day you die, that you would be made more in His image. That those things in you that He wants to transform and change, the attitudes that obscure His image in you, that you would be made for the purpose of sending. The choice of these two disciples this day to follow Jesus was the making of them. Peter and Andrew, it was the making of them. 
Connected to the the following was a making. Connected to their choice to follow was a kingdom program that these rough men in another part of the Bible in Acts, it says they are idiota, and I can't, agramatos, idiota, agramatos, uneducated idiots, right? That they would be made. You're gonna be made to something. There's, There's people here that are the direct opposite to that. You're not idiota, agramatos. You're not uneducated idiots. You're highly educated and very rational and God will use that too because He uses anything because he, he will make you and disciple you. And it was God's kingdom program to make them fully who they were intended to be, to dissolve every part of them, every lesser thing. You thought it was just about fishing? How lowly and how common. How could you possibly think it was just about that? It was so much more It is so much more that I intend for your life. I want to make you. He wants to deal a death blow. I hate it that the making involves a death, sometimes to ambition. You know, someone said to me this week, and I'm being very candid with my home church because we are family and we're not disappearing. So let's just get it all out there. Someone said, why would you you not do this role? Not many women are doing a senior role. And I'm like, I didn't sign up to be the banner girl of an ideology, I signed up to follow Jesus. And if He calls me to this or this or this or this in any given season, I signed up to follow Him. We can delete that bit and just keep it in the family. (laughs) Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you. This is the discipleship of the Holy Spirit, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He changes your desires. Another version says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He is always working in you, always discipling you, always making you. Abraham was made. Paul was made for a purpose to reach the known world for Jesus Christ. Lydia was made not just to be a highly successful businesswoman, but to use her influence for the building of the kingdom, for the reaching of an entire city. They were made. And now we are in a new era. These words are the same to our generation, that God is calling those who would surrender their lives to be made to become disciples, to surrender their selfish ambition, to surrender everything we thought it would be, to become made for a noble purpose that God's kingdom may come in our generation. But my question is, what does making require? Well, firstly, there was a leaving behind because in Matthew 4.20, it says, immediately they left their nets and they followed Him. There is a leaving behind. And for you, He may not call you to physically leave behind a workplace. More often than not, I've found He says, stay. For me, when I was teaching, it was a stay and be light in that profession. And so I arrived every day and prayed over the seats. I witnessed to teachers and teachers at a North Shore school that were originally highly uh, aggressive against the Christianity, the Christ in me, became my friends and many of them came to know Jesus Christ because often He keeps you in your place, but there still is a leaving, a leaving when He puts His finger on attitudes, 
are leaving sometimes when we are discipled to go and when we see our friends go and plant campuses and and they're sent and we go, God, my heart can't take the sending anymore. We have to remind ourselves that in the making, there is a leaving behind and it's for a kingdom purpose and it's part of the kingdom way. Craig Keener, who's one of my favourite theologians, says the imperative of the Great Commission requires Christians to give up our residential security, our financial security and our social obligations. And we don't like it. We're Westerners. We don't like that prospect that, yes, God has given me a home, but it belongs to the kingdom. That my associations and my friendships within our amazing church, they must be given for the kingdom too. That one of them could be called overseas, interstate to plant a campus and we will remain family. But God, it's in your hands for the kingdom. There is a discipleship imperative. Can I go on to say, and maybe you just don't want me to go on anymore, but what does it take to be made? (laughs) It's a complete reordering of priorities. It is a complete reordering of your natural and sentimental priorities. This is extreme, lest you think Jesus is dilute and diplomatic. And like, you know, we're like, you know, that just lacks empathy or compassion. I'm like, well, let me read you something that is pretty straight. He says in Matthew 10, 37, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son and daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. It's not saying that you should shaft family. And in fact, actually, I think there is a great Holy Spirit return to revival in the family, discipleship in the home, discipleship in marriage, the love of Christ being outworked through the family unit so that God has godly generations going on in the earth. But what Jesus is saying here is, in order to be made, I need to be more important than any of this. The opinion of your dad when you follow me into your ministry vocation, the opinion of your friends when you pursue an interstate call to plant a church, the opinions and the natural sentimental connections when you make a decision to obey and follow Jesus. I've got to be more important than any of it, he says. Let me go on. He's not diplomatic. There's a lot of learning on the job. There's a lot of failing and getting back up. You know, these disciples did not sign up for university. They did not sign up for mastery before miracles. They did not sign up for guarantees before getting the job done. Jesus actually teaches them one day and sends them out the next and says, come back and tell me, how'd it go? Did you fail? Did you go good? And then He corrects their priorities. Don't focus on that. Focus on the fact that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Like, yes, yes, then the demons will tremble at the name of Jesus. What do you mean other people are doing the work too? Let's celebrate that. At least the kingdom's being built, right? It's a lot of learning on the job, which is really painful for perfectionists. Anyone else a perfectionist around here? When Jesus says, follow me and serve in that department, when He says, follow me and do the discipleship intensive next year, and you're like, but I'm not that good and I'm not gonna look that good. And He says, do it anyway. Go the way of being made. Go the way of stepping out at work and sharing your faith. And if you get opposition, 
join the queue because everyone that's truly loved him has had opposition at some time or another. There's a lot of learning on the job. Dying to perfection and reputation. You'll feel ill-equipped to do it, but do it anyway. And finally, and there's many, many things to say, but I actually want to bring up a few friends in a moment. It's actually a lot of giving yourself at times to grow in Him. You know, Jesus calls these men. He calls uh, Simon Peter and He calls Andrew and He says, follow me. But they could have said, not today. (laughs) They could have said, I don't want to, I'm fishing, I'm doing this. Maybe in five years' time, let me have the prime of my youth first. Let me have my mature years, Lord. I don't want to give them to you. I've done the hard yakka raising my family. What do you mean you're calling me to do the discipleship intensive? What do you mean? And yet he says, will you follow me and give yourself? to the making. You know, for some of us, I believe that um, God is actually saying it's time to get into the Word in a greater way. For some of us, it's actually you need to step out and share your faith with your friends. Some of them don't even know that you're a Christ follower. But for others, there is this amazing thing next year called the Discipleship Intensive or the Disciple Intensive. And it's a year where you come in on a Tuesday You are personally mentored. You are personally taught through that content that you saw on the screen. You are given hands-on experience in ministry and the practical runnings of church and outreach. And you are made. I had a, a year, in fact, I had a couple of years like this. I was a, dare I say, a really successful teacher. I was really rising in the education system. But at the end of my fifth year, at the beginning, actually, God spoke to me, this is your last year in this system. I'm taking you into ministry. And He took me via two years of an internship experience, what we now call the Disciple Intensive. I was working with two pastors. They were part of our church. They did a church plan in the city. They worked for New South Wales New Churches. And I served and was shaped and I gave myself to being shaped for ministry, shaped for vocation. No guarantees at the end. No, no, I didn't know where God was taking me. All I knew is He was speaking to me about in an, and I believe for every believer, there are times in our life where God says, give yourself to this. Now is the time to give yourself to this, to be made. Now I can share many, many stories, but actually probably the more salient stories of the disciple intensive are um, more recent students. Um, And so um, Talia and Jack, if you could come up now, I wanna ask you a couple of questions. Why don't you come on up? Why don't you give them a hand guys? Very good. Very, very good. Thank you. Um, Zach, the pulpit can be taken down. I didn't factor that in. It's going to obscure our friends there. So aren't they good? Yeah, take the glasses. It's okay. It's just for the reading of Scripture. (laughs) It's in here. Jack, how are you going? It's good to see you. Jack, if you don't already know, Jack Sutton is actually on our staff at Horizon Church. I remember interviewing Jack and saying to Pastor Brad, he is just 
pure joy. He's going to be amazing. And not a true word was spoken. You have been amazing um, just building the kingdom and building church together. Um, But you actually don't work on a Tuesday. You've been doing the discipleship intensive. You've been doing the disciple intensive. And you have been deployed to worship um, with Pastor Karen. So every person who signs up for the disciple intensive on a Tuesday, they come in, they have a class that inputs leadership, development, spiritual practices, all that sort of thing. And then they spend the day with their department head to be personally mentored and to serve hands-on to get feedback. Tell us a little bit about your experience with Pastor Karen this year. Yeah, so as Pastor Christy said, it was a huge honour to be Pastor Karen's intern this year. Um, I think one of my favourite things about interning for Karen was um, it wasn't just doing work, it was, um, she was like mentoring and discipling me. Um, Marissa, Ethan and I um, can all tell you that we spent time in prayer and um, like she, like we didn't just do things, we spent time with God and we prayed and we worshipped and um, we went through, or we started going through um, emotionally healthy spirituality and then me and Ethan realised we don't like reading and so <laughs> that didn't really last. But um, <laughs> Audible, guys, audible. Yeah, but she did definitely like, she put the effort into discipling us and growing us um, and um, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, just not the, yeah. So good. So um, Pastor Karen's probably the most amazing department head to work with. I mean, you can sign up for all of them She paid me to do a plug for her. Um, (laughs) She's actually extraordinary. And I watched as she took her students through um, emotionally healthy, uh, worked them through spiritual practices, gave them feedback on what they were serving in. I'm like, Karen, how are you fitting all of this in? Um, But what would you say, Jack, before we move to Talia, um, what would you say this year has done in your life? Yeah, I guess it's just really, um, like, one thing that I, like, really vividly remember from this year is we were um, really wanting to grow some of our production teams um, and um, get volunteers in that area. Um, And we, like, Karen was, like, really pointed out that we can't do this by ourselves and we have to pray about it. Um, And so we sat around in a circle and we prayed that God would bring volunteers in. And as we're praying, this name comes into my mind. I've rarely ever spoken to this person. Um, and he's a young person from youth. And like, yeah, it just randomly hopped in my mind. And I asked Karen, hey, can I ask this person if they would like to serve? And Karen's like, yeah, sure, go for it. Um, and now he's like one of our best camera operators. And he brought a friend in. Now we've got two camera operators. And like, it kind of just naturally grew. And when we relied on God to grow the team and not our own strength, he kind of like just growed that. And I think... Um, Karen's example of like trusting God and praying first about it really like encouraged me and yeah. I love it. My husband works in HR and he's talked to me about internships in corporate and they're important. They really do have a place. I believe in a learning environment and I believe that you do work hard in a learning environment, but I've described to Andrew um, the dynamics of our internship and just the input that every student gets and the way that we actually walk students through the how of serving God, the how of ministry and leadership. And Andrew's like, from a HR perspective, I am blown away by the quality of the program and just the time investment of our department heads. So, Jack, you're amazing. Can you give Jack a hand? Stay up with us. So I think many of you have um, begun to know and love Talia Collis, who's enjoyed Talia's ministry on a Sunday. 
Talia originally came from our Sydney Southwest campus and I remember coming back to Sutherland saying to Pastor Brad, I really miss Sydney Southwest. I love Sutherland. I've loved coming back to Sutherland. Um, But I feel Talia is meant to be at Sutherland. I think you all feel that too, right? Um, And I, I look at Talia often and I hear the feedback that people give on her preaching and her leadership and it's like they make comments like, where did she come? from. Like she just came out of nowhere. Um, And I think about the proverbial iceberg. And when you see an iceberg in the Arctic, I mean, you've all been there and you've all seen it, right? Um, (laughs) We can go there one day together. Um, we, We look at an iceberg in a picture and we go, we just see the tip of the iceberg. But underneath, Um, There is a weight of um, development of the ice and so forth. And I I think Talia is a lot like that. What we see on the surface and the anointing on her life and the call of God, um, she's given herself. Can you talk to us a bit about how God has called you to give yourself to growth and development? Yeah, I think in different seasons it looks differently. And I remember um, year seven I had like, made the decision of like, I'm following Jesus. Like I gave my life to him as a seven-year-old, but then it was like this no turning back moment. And I came from a family that had faith, but what I was like, man, I was like, I need my own faith. And, um, uh, you know, like, I guess going into school, um, there was a sense of shame of like, I'm the Christian kid, or like, there's a sense of shame of being the church kid. And And I was like, I don't want that anymore. So in that season, um, what God was leading me to was to read His Word. I love what Pastor Christy said, like some of you are being called to read His Word or be immersed in His Word in a different way. So from year seven to 12, every morning, I would get up before my family, I'm one of six, so um, big family, I needed quiet space. That's why I did it in the morning and that's why I did it early. And I would read His Word. And it wasn't because I'm awesome or amazing, it was because I needed it. And I felt this shame over being the Christian. I was like, I don't want that anymore. And so I would get into the Word and I remember reading Romans 1.16, which says, "Um, for I am unashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. and each morning I would be filled up with the Word and then I would go into my school like on a mission. Like I had this mission mentality around my friends. I was ready. I was unashamed. Every time I felt the sense of fear, I was like, no, but I am unashamed of the Gospel. And so in that season, what it looked like was um, in a very private space, getting into the Word of God. And um, in most of my circles growing up, I felt like the only Christian. As the only Christian in my friends, I felt like the only Christian in my classroom, as the only Christian in my workplace, as the only Christian in my university class. And um, I guess it was in uni when, when we became Horizon, our church became Horizon. And, and this, um, what was then the internship program um, is now the discipleship intensive. This became an option. And what I felt God leading me was you need to be in an environment of faith. You need to be around people where you're not the only one. You need it, and it wasn't. It wasn't like um, I I need. Like I needed to learn, but it came from a place of humility where I'm like, I need this. Just as reading the Word was like, I need this. Um, This discipleship intensive was like, man, I need to be in an environment where I am sharpened, where I am shaped, where I am moulded, where I can become, and and the the life in me can be drawn out of me. And, And I knew. 
in my heart, I just need to be in that environment. And so that's what led me to do the discipleship intensive. And there was a one-on-one mentorship. There was, you know, even just lunch times were good. Cause I was like, man, I'm with people that love Jesus. Like I, I, I remember going back into like, it didn't take away from my life. I was studying full-time. I was working part-time. It didn't take away, it, it added. And so when I went back into those settings, I was sharper, I was ready, I was encouraged, I was uplifted. And so I could go back with, with um, a certain like energy to that because of what was happening in this space. So yeah, I love it. So good. I've seen many um, interns now disciple intensive students come through our church and age and stage have not been exclusive. I've seen gap year, year 12 students come and do a year and whilst they're in university, bombarded with worldviews that are diverse and and many quite false, um, they're being built up in a godly worldview. I've seen um, people at university do the same, like Talia. Uh, for myself, I was 28 when I went through a similar experience for two years with Kath and Grant Wills, who were pastors at our church. Um, Heather Cartini was my intern for a number of years and now she's our pastoral care pastor. I've seen professionals that are called to high levels in the workplace do this, give. I mean, other faith traditions would call this a year of discernment, discerning the person purposes of God, being shaped and giving yourself to being shaped by God. Um, So I want to encourage you uh, to really deeply consider, is God calling me as a parent, as a student, as a gap year student to come and give a year of my life on Tuesday to be shaped, hands-on serving, mentoring, all that sort of thing. What would God do in me with a year like that? I wanna thank Talia and Jack. Thank you so much, guys. Jack, can I? Thank you. So good. Just as the band comes up. Um, It is huge to contemplate, Jesus, not only do you want me to follow You, but You will make me. You will change me from the inside out. Um, You know, you may be here today and that's a foreign concept to you. Actually surrendering your life to a power higher than you, to your Creator. But there would not be a person in the room who has done that who wouldn't tell you, you will become more fully who you were meant to be. You will feel as free as you have ever ever felt. You will feel more alive than you've ever felt. So, you know, I, I wouldn't wanna preach about following Jesus, being made by Him without giving you the opportunity to do what those disciples did on that day and choose to follow Him, what many in this room have done. But could I ask for every head bowed, every eye closed, just to allow that private moment of contemplation. We are in a group here, but this is a very personal and private decision to make your life right with your Creator. In a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer. And it's giving our lives to Jesus. The beauty of following is literally it is a split second decision. It is that decision. Those disciples didn't have to go to school again. They didn't have to jump through 50 hoops. It literally was Jesus saying, will you follow me? And this is a moment just like that. It's a moment where God is saying in the chaos of the world, but not only the world, in the turbulence of your own heart of maybe life going really well for you right now, but something is not settled in your heart. Those men were fishermen, they were successful, they were going well, but something about 
following Jesus was so compelling that they were able to leave it all behind because they knew they would find life in Him. If that's you today, we're gonna pray a prayer saying yes to following Jesus. It's a simple prayer. We're all gonna pray it together. But if you're praying it for the first time or the first time in a long time, He will hear it and today you will become His. Why don't we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, I say yes today to following You. Come into my life. Wash me clean, make me new. Thank You that You will transform me. Today, I've become Yours. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're today here and you want a new start, you wanna give your life to Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to come out the front. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I, I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing over you. And I just would love to know this morning who has said yes to following Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. So on the count of three, would you lift your hand? Just long enough for me to see. One, two, three. I wanna follow Him. Would you give me a quick wave? I wanna follow Him today. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, sweetheart, I see that hand. God, I just declare blessing over the ones that are saying, yes, I wanna follow Him. Thank You, God, that when we follow You, You will lead us to life, God. We thank You that today that they have become Yours. Lord, for every single person in the room here, God, and I just feel some have been challenged today and you're like, I followed Him a long time ago, but it's been a long, long time um, since I've, I've felt the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's been a long, long time since I surrendered my life to be made for His purposes. If that's you, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but I'm gonna pray right now. And I just ask you to receive. God, I just thank You that You not only call us to follow You, but You promise, Your promise is God, that You would make us. And God, for any that have disqualified themselves, God, there's been a sense of failure. There's been a sense of weariness, God. Lord, I thank You that they're in good company, God. Jesus had disciples that fell asleep, denied Him, bragged and boasted some, God, that, that You corrected so many times. And yet, God, every time You restored, You remade, you repurposed and you resent. I just really believe right now that there are some, and you need a second sending. You were sent once upon a time. You, were, uh, you shared your faith. You grew in the Lord Jesus Christ. You felt like you're on mission, but somewhere in adulthood, it just became a sea of blood. I see God wanting to reinvigorate you. I see some, I really sense this in the room today. There are some in their 50s and 60s that God is gonna place His hand on in 2024 and say, you're gonna be sent. You're gonna be sent to establish a campus. You're gonna be a part of a campus team. There are some that God is breathing on and you're like, I don't even, I never intended to do this, but God, I feel like you're calling me to do this year, this discipleship intensive. There is something about this for the making of me. God, whatever you're saying to whomever in the room, I pray now that they would hear you and that they would obey, that they would open their hearts to the transformation of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen.
Um, today, if you did make that decision to follow Jesus, one of our leaders is going to tap you on the shoulder and give you a gift today and assist you. If you do have questions of faith and you didn't respond, we'd also love to talk to you because sometimes it's just a couple of conversations of exploration. You know, there was a disciple that Jesus called. He was sitting under a tree. His name was Nathaniel, and he just needed more time and more understanding. And that is valid too. Um, for any who have any interest whatsoever, online or other, um, about the Disciple Intensive next year, um, the age range for the intake is you must have finished school um, and up to the age of 120. <laughs> See you. Love you, church. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.